0: Our next guests join us. Uh, royalty from the Barossa, really. It's Sam Kurtz and Bernadette Cading. Good morning to you. Morning. Oh,
1: there we go. There Hi, guys.
0: Well, look, it's been a while, Sam, but uh, it's great to see you. I, was, I wanted to reach out because I always show people in the store, okay, you've got to follow this guy on Instagram because he does these sub-regional soil posts and all this great stuff, and it's just old-school Barossa at its best. Uh, were you born up there?
1: I was. I was born in Tununda, so although um, well, I'm one of those rare Barossans who actually changed towns, I lived in Angaston for a little bit, but I'm back in Tununda now. Do
0: they do they call you the trader when you're going along the main street?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't move to Newry. That would have been the real trader thing. Uh, yes. follow, you have
0: to follow the Tigers if you lived up there. So that's that's no yeah. good at all. Have, have the finals finished in the football there or? Um,
1: to be honest, I'm not sure. I don't, no, I don't think so. I think they're still going at the moment. So.
0: Yeah, still going. yeah. So we are. We are. We've got Kurt and Kading as the last names. So let's just talk about the family history for a while. Uh, firstly, with you, Bernadette. Where Where's your family from?
2: Uh, well, my dad was born in Germany. Yeah. Um, and my mum was a Queenslander. Um, so I was actually born in Queensland as well. Right. Um, Townsville. But I got out of there when I was about six months old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Make a run for it. Go.
0: <laughs> well, and, and then to Adelaide or to the Barossa as well?
2: Or? Uh, actually, to a place called Bungendore, just out of Canberra. Oh, I
0: know, Bungendore. I'm from Canberra.
2: Oh, there you go. Bungendore. So, oh, there you go.
0: You don't hear that on the show. Very- oh, there's some good vineyards around there.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, my dad was working for NASA, actually, at that point. Huh, wow. Um. <laughs> And then, but yeah, we moved over to South Australia when I was about eight and I actually grew up in the Adelaide Hills Right. and um, moved up to the Barossa in 97.
0: Okay. Okay, cool. And and Sam, you've got a family history. I know that goes right back to the beginning of the winemaking in the Barossa.
1: It does. Um, Yeah. So on both sides of the family, pretty well, almost every generation was either a grape grower, a winemaker, or a cellar hand all the way through. Mm. Um, my great great grandfather was Johan Gramp as well. So um, yeah, a bit of history there. And in the fact even probably a little bit further back to the Koch family, they had a vineyard planted before Johan even turned up in the Barossa. Yeah,
0: right. So um, <laughs> well that cock that cock vineyard down there in it's down in the southern part, isn't it? That's that's a that's a lovely vineyard and is is that Koshy's family is that his actual family?
1: I don't know the relationship there oh. no I'm not, not really sure but um no their vineyard is actually where Orlando's car park is now yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're the original vineyard. That yeah. Oh right okay uh, yeah. yeah. Well, because we were, I always talk about, you know, because we've been doing this big Penfolds pop-up in, in Dan Murphy's in Brighton and, you know, then when I sort of take people into premium Shiraz, or Shiraz for you guys, sorry, um, <laughs> I always talk about that Mooroo vineyard that Shield, you know, planted in 1847 by Anne Jacob. But um, is that, I know Shield have sold now. Is that
1: vineyard gone now? No, it's still definitely there. Right. Um, and I think Shields still own it. Um, right. Like I, I think they sold the brand and the winery, but kept the vineyard assets. Right.
0: Oh, that's yeah. good because that would have been. I just yeah, that love that vineyard. Price. I was, I remember sort of jogging through there when I was back and fit back in the day in 2015, doing a little visit. And I think Edward Ed is even out there, and I, it was just a magical thick vines, and I love all that. That's what we. That's what we as Victorians love about the Barossa. Is that what you guys love about it?
1: Yeah, I I love that. I mean, it's certainly like that location, you know there's such diversity even just within that tiny little microcosm of where that vineyard is like, you know, Orlando's vineyard on the other side of the Creek and the Kof vineyard sort of diagonally opposite on the other side of the Creek and yeah. um, the old Gazansky vineyard on the opposite side of the main road, you know, it's yeah. sort of, uh, all, all of them are quite different to each other. And yet they're literally within stone stone's throw of each other.
0: Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> cool. And I, I did notice that, um, the, the Eisenstone vineyards that Stephen's making, or Eisenstone wines, they're pretty cool too and they're all getting pretty sub-regional. You used to make wine with him, I imagine?
1: Um, yeah, yeah, definitely worked with him uh, quite a bit over the years. So,
0: and, and he's, But they're, they're sort of, it's cool, it's really old school labels and, you know, which brings me to, you know, to your brand, which is Red Art Roja MoMA. So tell us a little bit about that, guys.
1: Yeah, so um, I, I guess it all started back in uh, about '96. Bought a small little vineyard. Um, at the time, there was only Grenache on it. Um, it turned out way later that we found out the Grenache was actually planted in 1886, um, hey. which we weren't aware of. We knew they were really old. We just had no idea how old <laughs> until we actually met the great great grandson of the guy who planted it. Right. Um, but uh, we planted the rest of it up over the years. Um, and we really just do single vineyards. So it's up in the Ebenezer sub-region of the Barossa.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so north of New Yorkta. Um, and as you get sort of in the northern end of the Barossa, you get, the soils get a bit more shallow. They don't hold as much water. Um, it's a bit drier up there as well and it's sort of prime red wine country. So we thought why fight it, you know, we'd, let's just plant reds and we basically planted, um, uh, Shiraz, Cabernet, uh, Tempranillo, and Petit Verdot, as well as the Grenache that we already had. So, yeah, right, yeah. Um, and we just do single vineyard wines off of that property.
0: What's the, how, what's the, you know, Red Art rojamoma? What's, that's a pretty interesting name. You, you know, how did that come about? That's, that's what I've always wanted yeah, to I'll, ask you. Yeah, when of. I looked it up, I was like,
2: Ooh, this is a cool name. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll
1: hand all ball to Bernie. <laughs> uh,
2: well, I'll start with the Red Art bit. Um, red just because we only grow reds yep. um and uh i came about with that because i'm also a photographer an artist oh, right. as well um and also you know we feel that there is a certain uh art to making wine it's not just all science i think if you bring in the creativity you make better wine um fun. the name rojo moma um i made that one up um, <laughs> to- <laughs> I was just kind of doodling and trying to come up with a sort of an overall company name. Um, so Rojo comes from the Spanish word Rojo for red mm. and MoMA is the museum of modern art in New York, which mm. is my favorite art Okay. So yeah, <laughs> just kind of put that together. Yeah. Awesome. So I had a, a, this plan that maybe one day if we, you know, got bigger, we might have white art and sparkling art as well. Uh, oh. but, <laughs> That's uh, just too hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the too
0: hard basket. Yeah.
2: There's an image of your son on your website yeah. too. Does he does he help uh, make the wine and stuff as well? Or? Uh, he he has helped. Um, <laughs> under <softens. laughs>
0: But well, he, he is uh, holding a guitar, so does he just rock out while you guys are making the wine? Is that how it works? Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah um, you know, I mean, he's a bit older now, so he, he doesn't come up as often now. But, um, yeah, trying to keep him amused over the years. So usually there'd be a soccer ball, you know, being banged against the side of the shed or, <laughs> you know, some activity going on. Well, that like that, uh, uh, the image of the three of you there was, was pretty cool. I was like, oh, that's nice. Yeah, that is nice. Yeah, well, it's kind of the company photo that... That sort of doubles up as the family portrait <laughs> <laughs> well to pick yeah. up
0: on what you were just saying before so um the nick peterkin whose parents planted um, piero um so the son now makes wines and it's called las and he's luck art science that's how he found ah. out making wine <laughs> wow. uh, which i think yeah pretty cool but being it being a muso and everything as well like i sort of feel There is a lot of science to music and wine, but, like, you know, if you do all the hard work playing your scales and pruning your vines correctly and getting it in the right dirt and, you know, all that stuff, it it kind of all comes together, doesn't it? Because I remember you played pretty good guitar too, Sam. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, no, not me, not me. No, you're thinking of Nick Brewer. I know so. Nick did as well. I thought
0: you pulled it out as well, because I just bought a guitar and I, I just I was very, so these guys came around to my house in Stockholm oh. um, and we'd been out to a nice dinner and I'd and just bought this lovely acoustic guitar. But I'd literally <laughs> like a week I never played a guitar and then and I remember Nick like he was really good but I thought you'd jam yeah. down on as well so you should have just said yeah um anyway uh let's talk about some of the wines then because you did send me uh three excellent wines I only got a chance to taste the 2015 Shiraz and that's like it had this lovely sort of peaty kind of kick to it and in the end just tell us about that wine and why it's uh what, what the vineyard's like or is it a little barrel blend or how does it work?
1: Yeah, so um, despite the fact that we, we only have five hectares, so it's only a tiny little vineyard, yeah. we actually have like three blocks of Shiraz right. Um, right. on there because we kind of right from the beginning was sort of following not so much biodynamic but sort of more or less monoculture type practices and things. So we decided we wouldn't get out, have just one area planted with a big block of Shiraz. We'd sort of break it up a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so there's three sort of subsections sections, and despite the fact that literally it's a triangle, sort of three hundred and fifty meters by three hundred and fifty by about five hundred. Wow. Um, wow. There's actually real differences between the blocks wow. um, within that, um, and uh, we, because we do all that hand pruning and hand picking, um, and. You know, so we actually see the differences firsthand, you know, while you're actually out there physically in the vineyard. Yeah. Um, and so we normally will pick the very best little bit of that vineyard. Um, and then we bring that uh, parcel uh, into the winery and ferment it separately. Um, once we've fermented it separately, um, for our Raj's pick, basically we just collect the basket pressings of that um, and oh, we just I keep one barrel of it. Right. Um, so... It's sort of like the heart and soul of the vineyard. Um, the basket pressing's been that last stuff to come away. Super dark, delicious, dense. Um, and uh, yeah, we keep one barrel. It, we separate that barrel, and then we, we, basically after um, 18 months, we decide whether or not it goes back into the re- regular blend. So yeah. if it's a really good vintage, we'll keep it separate and bottle it separate. In the week of vintages will basically put it back in um so it's generally about every second or third vintage we've made it yeah, um, I mean, yeah
0: and that yeah. i'd say velvety would be the number mm. one word uh, so tell us about 15 why was that so good
1: um i think 15 was probably a bit more of a normal year yeah, like okay. it, it, it's kind of been weird in that um we've had anything but normal over the last probably 10 years, yeah. um, well, 15 years probably even. Um, but in that, you know, you have good spring rainfall, um, then, you know, a nice warm to hot, dry summer, um, and then a beautiful mild autumn. And, and that's sort of the classic Barossa when you get that, you know, where you get those classic beautiful days where it's, you know, sunny, mild through spring and autumn. Um, and you do get that little bit of heat, which just sort of, brings the grapes and ripens them, yep. um, yeah. and, you know, it's sort of uh, the final ripening happens in beautiful conditions and that's what really captures the Barossa. Yeah.
0: And yeah. One of my wow. favourite spots wow. in the world. Uh, so I've got a question from Christopher again, Nick. We sort of refer to Christopher as the fifth beetle, really. I've actually <laughs> actually had him on the show. He's He loves Shiraz and he's a huge Barossa man and he knows his stuff. Uh, so, a question for Sam: Given so many Barossa Valley producers promote their wines based on a subregion/slash parish, i.e., Ebenezer mopper Marananga, do you think we will ever see these recognised as formal subregions like High End in, in the Eden Valley? And he is also finishing saying he thinks the variation in terroir in the Barossa definitely warrants subregionality. That's the <laughs> that's yeah. the calibre of listeners we get on the wine yeah, show. Right. Pretty serious <laughs> people. <laughs>
1: Um, I, it, it definitely does. Like, um, I, and I, I think it, while there's pushback about it from a lot of the larger producers because it probably means that you pay more for certain subregions than others, um, it, the, the reality is that, that it, it's only a matter of time. The Barossa is more diverse than Burgundy. Like, you know, in, in terms of. Uh, just the sub-regionality is just incredible within it. And there's like little microcosms everywhere. And it doesn't necessarily mean that one is better than the other. Um, It means that they're all different. Um, But at the end of the day, it will, there there are certain areas that are probably more interesting and probably more exclusive and probably lower yielding. So therefore, you know, just by default, you you end up with a sort of, uh, crew structure, you know, a bit like what you probably end up with in Europe, yeah. um, yeah. in terms of, you know, just the different levels. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, if you sort of look at it, the Barossa at its warmest is out, Gamasol way is nearly as warm as the Riverland. Right. Um, it, if you go to High Eden, on the other hand, you're probably nearly as cold as parts of Germany. So, <laughs> you, you know, it, it's completely different climates within there Um, and then you've got four different major soil types Um, you've got the influence of the ocean um, in the western side of the Barossa you've got more continentality as you head towards the north and east of the Barossa Um, and all those things just create amazing differences that you know even after sort of 35 vintages or so you know I'm still discovering you know.
0: That's awesome (laughs) I do (laughs) recall The last time I was actually there, and we're actually coming, the wine show is coming to do an outside broadcast in October, which should be really fun, so stay tuned for that. But um, the last time I was in the Barossa was during Vintage in 2019 at the end of February, and I recall it being quite dry, quite dusty in certain areas down, you know, Gomisville would be a great example of that. And But then we went up to Chris Ringland's joint and um, you know, everyone's wearing jumpers. It was 10 in the morning. There was fog. Wow. Yeah, and it was It's like that. that and it, bl- it didn't blow my mind so much because I've been there a million times. But some of the Vic guys, they just were like, what?
2: Yeah, no, it's but, kind of blowing my mind right now.
0: Yeah, it is. It's pretty incredible. So you guys know that. You, Bernie and Sam, you know that. How do you get that story out to Victoria, New South Wales, like other
1: states? Yes. Yeah, it's a difficult one trying to work out. I mean, you know, I do it a bit with with Instagram, you know, sort of trying to get that message out. Um, The Barossa Barossa Wine are trying to get that message out around as well, you know, to get people to understand it. I think as a starting point, they've decided to sort of break it up into the northern grounds and the western ridge and the southern grounds and things like that and just separate it into four different zones. Yeah. but the truth is, it's way more complicated. And, you know, it actually probably needs somebody to write a really good book on it.
0: Uh, well, um, we, might have, yeah. we do have Katie Spain coming on next. So we'll just yeah, see if we
2: can that. commission her to do we'll some throw writing. It out there
0: to her. <laughs> uh, Sam, did you put me onto the Facebook page of Lost Barossa?
1: Uh, probably might have been. Because I want all the
0: listeners who are on Facebook, it, you get on there, check out Lost Barossa in 1962. Uh, Four Corners did like this twenty-five minute program on the Barossa, right? And you've, there's literally the old German men's choir where they're all singing in German and standing up for their solos, wearing <laughs> ties. They're talking to all of the priests at all the local churches who are still doing their, you know, their mass in German. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's probably one of your rellos on there, I reckon, Sam, talking about stuff. Um, yeah, yeah there probably yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe Cyril Henschke you know, talking about opening up export markets to Asia for the first time. Or oh, It's it's absolutely amazing. But what I did know, recently I read, and I'm not sh- I'm not sure if it's 100% correct, but part of the reason the Lutherans left that part of Germany was we all heard they were being persecuted for their religion, but it was because they were being told to shorten the mass in German and they wanted to keep the full mass in German, do the long version of it, and that's why they left. Is is that ringing any truth to you guys?
1: Oh, it, it, there probably is 20 different reasons why they left. <laughs> yeah. I, like, to be honest, like, it, it, even within... Um, I, I had, like, two churches within 100 metres of where we are probably, or 200 metres... <laughs> Um and the first one started and then they kind of um uh initially the the priest that was there was very fond of the end of days and he was kind of believing that you know the end of the world was coming. So he he would like to march around Tanunda with flaming torches and pitchforks <laughs> at night, waiting for the end of days. And this other group decided that they weren't so keen on that idea, right? So they ended up like um, breaking away and starting their own separate church. Um, so <laughs> it's a very interesting history there.
0: <laughs> oh, that's gold, but there is still, was it Barossa Deutsch? There's still, there was a sort of your own language and all sorts of stuff, wasn't
1: there? There, there, there was, I mean, it, it's pretty well gone now, but like with my great grandparents, they pretty well only spoke German ever. Wow. Um, my grandparents spoke German in the home and English out of the home. Yeah, right. Um, and then from my parents' generation onwards, it was pretty well cool they spoke English. I mean,
2: I've got um, I've got some German ancestry, but and I tried learning German in high school, but God, it's hard language to learn. <laughs>
1: like. Yeah, yeah, no. It's- um but you know as well when i was a kid people were speaking german on the main street like all the time <laughs> you would hear it They're like that's um a- but it, it doesn't really happen these days <laughs> that's good. but you're not
0: an old man sam so i think that's absolutely fascinating i mean it, it's sort of we kind of feel over in victoria that the south australian wine it's got all this history and age and all that stuff and it does but you know we had brian crozer on recently and he was saying that you know when he planted in the late 70s chardonnay adelaide hills there wasn't much chardonnay around in australia at all so it's kind of like you know to hear these stories to really mind those things and that's why i wanted to especially given your great instagram sub-regional posts which i recommend all the listeners get onto as well but that's why i wanted to get you guys on the show and um absolutely fascinating wonderful and hopefully we can we can hook up you with with you when we're in the barossa in um, in october Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Uh, Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Bernadette Cading and Sam Kurtz from Red Art Roger MoMA.